Welcome to the Built on Purpose podcast, where on each episode, we interview exceptional leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, philosophers, and some straight up interesting people to explore their outlook on life, work, and leadership. And now, here's your host, CEO and co-founder of Scouts, Max Hansen. Welcome back to episode 84 of the Built on Purpose podcast brought to you by Y Scouts. I'm your host, Max Hansen, the CEO of Y Scouts, where we find purpose aligned and performance proven leaders. Speaking of, today our guest is Raymond Chang, CEO and chairman of Agrify. Raymond, welcome to the Built on Purpose podcast. Max, thanks for uh, having me. Um, really uh, excited to, uh, to have a chat with you today. And, and again, thank you for inviting me. Us too. We're, we're very excited for this. We've had a lot of awesome. Uh, guests out of the cannabis industry and outside of the cannabis industry, but we're really looking forward to this conversation. But to get things started, just kind of an easy softball question and, and to give our audience kind of an overview, tell us, a, give, give us an overview, overview of what Agrify does and your current footprint in the marketplace today. Sure. Um, so Max, I think the pain point that we're really trying to solve for the industry, for the cannabis industry, is really to help our customers to produce the highest quality products um, consistently and repeatedly over time. Additionally, we want to make sure that our solutions deliver, help to deliver the highest return on investments so that they can profit um, from the business that they you know, operate in. So that's really kind of the ultimate goal is to provide the highest consistency, quality, and ROI um, for all of our customers. And right now, um, we have a very unique solutions around cultivation, as well as the extraction side of the business. Um, the cultivation technology was something that we developed internally, and I'm happy to speak more about that. But it essentially provides microclimate control so that um, people can really kind of dial in and, and produce the best quality cannabis. And then the, on the extraction side, um, basically, we became the number one player in this space, primarily through um, acquisitions. We made four acquisitions in the last 12 months and basically emerged as the number one player uh, in that space as well. Awesome. Awesome. We'll dig into a, a lot of that because I think there's a lot to unpack there. Let's go back a little bit. How did you get into the cannabis, cannabis industry? I mean, looking at your background, obviously, you've had some, uh, you've done some really big things. In other parts of the world and in other industry, um, what what got you interested in the cannabis industry? I'm just looking at your background. You're the type of person that you are going to be successful in whatever you do next. That's probably the attitude that you have. And uh, I just kind of want to understand how you chose uh, to play in the cannabis industry and the U.S. market. Yeah, um, I got into this space because my um, my mother-in-law um, she was uh, a cancer patient, and um, I saw her really kind of suffer in, in, in sort of the later part of her life. And in fact, she was giving a very short lifespan. Um, and, um, you know, fortunately, someone, you know, suggested that maybe we can, we should look at alternative medicine to kind of help ease her pain and, and et cetera. And so that's how I got exposed to, uh, medicinal cannabis. And, um, you know, I really saw the benefit, the huge benefits, you know, through her experience. And in fact, you know, she um, basically, you know, lived longer than, you know, anyone had expected it. Um, but at the same time, it wasn't a consistent result. 
So that really kind of prompted my curiosity. Um, and so in any event, that's kind of how I kind of got into the space was through a kind of a personal, um, you know, journey uh, with the medicinal use of cannabis. Got it. And then uh, there's a question that I ask all, all my guests, and it, this this happened organically uh, with, with some of my first guests in cannabis. But uh, when do you use uh, cannabis, and when was the first time you tried it and personally used cannabis? Well, I use um, CBD, and I also use now starting uh, CBN um, to help me sleep. Um, but I'm not a you know I don't you know s- smoke weed or you know I'm not a regular sort of consumer um on thc side yep um but um but i do use um both cbd and cbn um or um you know basically to help me uh, sleep better got it okay and then what talk about your past experience i mean there's a lot there but if you summed it up like how has your past experience helped you with agrify building agrify in the cannabis industry like what are the some of the things that just you know, crossover within spades of relevant, uh, you know, kind of experience that has helped you, you know, kind of push through, build Agrify and do all the things that you've been able to do to today. Yeah. Um, you know, I think my kind of, um, if I look back at my uh, career, you know, I've always kind of journey into uncharted territories is, is what I would call it. Um, for example, brought, brought into Asia, um, in the very early days, in fact, you know, my company was one of the first, you know, broadband companies, um, broadband tele- telecom company in Asia. Um, and then, you know, afterward, I, I journey over to China and at a time, you know, this was kind of early 2000s and basically discovered that, you know, television was ubiquitous and, you know, we could potentially use that as a potential retail, uh, platform. So, you know, I, I've always somehow, you know, kind of, find myself getting into um, opportunities where it could make a, a, a pretty dramatic and, and huge sort of societal change. And But one thing that is actually some big opportunity, but at the same time, if I kind of look back, um, you know, it always involves um, a use of technology, um, use of data, and maybe the use of science to kind of... Um, you know, make, you know, what you call it a traditional sleepy uh, industry um, better. So that's, that's really kind of, you know, what I've done in the past. And, and I'm basically applying sort of that same principle uh, into what I'm doing now at Agrify. Obviously, I believe this is a, a huge global opportunity. Um, and we want to do it differently because we see imperfections and the use of data, use of science, use of technology is, is, is what we employ to, um, to make ourselves and, you know, make our customers, you know, more competitive. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just digging in a little bit about your past. Uh, and I know this is probably not something that that's asked very, very regularly of you, but how were you raised? Like, what did your parents do? I mean, just look at it, like what you've done, you know, with your last three or four companies or, or, you know, the, the stuff that you've talked about, obviously you've gone big and, you know, taken big risks and won really big. I'm just curious, curious as to, how were you brought up to position yourself? Because clearly, you were probably brought up and raised, and got a very good schooling, and and you know probably had some mentors. But what did your parents do? Like, how did you get set up to be so successful later on in life? When from when you were you were young, my my mom she was an educator, 
basically she um, taught um, elementary school. Um, she had her own um, sort of kindergarten. Um, and then she was also a language teacher and taught a lot of, you know, foreign expats, um, you know, different languages. Um, so basically on her side, you know, um, my grandparents and, you know, my mom, they were all educated. So I think that's kind of maybe got me a little bit of interest on sort of the, uh, the education side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my father, um, you know, he was, uh, he was a businessman. Um, educated, both of them were educated in Japan. I'm originally from Taiwan. Um, and she, he did a lot of business cross border trading and, and et cetera. Um, but one thing that I really kind of thank them for is, um, you know, basically they brought us, uh, to, uh, to this country, um, made a lot of sac- personal sacrifices and, and, um, wanted us to pursue better education, better opportunity, kind of living the American dream. Um, and they provided, you know, us all the resources and, and means to be able to kind of pursue that. Growing up, my, you know, my mom was the only one that was here with us, you know, taking care of, you know, me and my siblings. And my dad, um, he had to travel back and forth, back and forth between, uh, US and, 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 and Taiwan because, you know, this, that's where his business was. And, and I probably only saw him three or four times a year and each time is maybe a week or two. Um, so they really made a lot of personal sacrifices, um, you know, to, to kind of give us uh, you know, a better opportunities and better life. Awesome. Awesome. What, a, what an incredible story. How many languages do you speak? I speak three. <laughs> Man, I, I should quit asking that question. Every time somebody tells me they speak three languages and I only speak one and maybe a little bit of Spanish it makes me feel like I'm, uh, so far behind. Uh, so, but what a, what a wonderful, uh, upbringing you've had. And, uh, I can see why you've been so successful today. When, so going back to the, sorry, I'm skipping around a little bit here, but what the problems that AgriFice solves, obviously, you know, you talked about, um, and we'll get a little bit more into this quality, um, uh, you know, consistency and ROI. Is there a rub against like legacy folks with kind of how you guys are looking at from, a you know, a pure science standpoint, or are the legacy folks kind of, they respect the fact that you're using all these data points that they were using kind of more on a manual basis. Because as I hear about this, and we'll dig into some of this uh, technology, because I think it's awesome. But I was always curious as I was listening and reading about what you guys are doing is, you know, kind of how do the legacy folks view your technology and what you guys are doing for the industry? Yeah, um, it takes a conversation uh, for sure. And obviously what we're doing is very transformative. Um, so not everybody could immediately subscribe to what we're trying to promote, um, kind of our way of, of thinking. Um, but you know, the, the truth of the matter is that, you know, if you kind of give it really kind of just an open mind and really kind of think about the benefits that comes with it. I would say it's pretty hard to argue against it. And, um, and that's basically what we have repeatedly found, which is, you know, if you actually take the time to just be open-minded to kind of speak, speak about the benefits of it, people really understand what we're trying to do. But again, it's not for everybody and we don't, we don't try to impose it on everybody. In fact, a lot of our customers were saying, look, you know, um, you don't have to make, you know, one dramatic shift 
everything overnight. You know, what you built, um, as long as it's giving you a positive, you know, return on investments, um, continue with it. But, you know, you should also maybe look at this as you continue to scale up the business or maybe even as an R&D um, start and really, you know, we can prove it to you that, you know, there are tremendous benefits associated um, and um, and you can make your decisions from uh, from that point on. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds right. Because I've walked, I've walked through many different growing facilities, both indoor and outdoor and it's always with like the head grower or the, you know, if it was, if I always compare it to wine, like the winemaker. And they always give me this feel like there's all this data that they use, but there's also these instincts. And I'm not suggesting it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that after touring with these guys, they kind of act like without them and these instincts that, you know, can't really, uh, they can't really put a, um, you know, can't really put it into words. And I, 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 since I've seen what you guys do, I think, you know, it's just, they're doing a little bit more old school and, uh, you guys are using, like you said, more science and data, uh, probably to the you know, nth degree compared to some of these facilities. So, um, so I was curious, thanks for sharing that. Speaking of, uh, when you started Agrify and, and we'll get a little bit further into the details of the technology because I, I love hearing about it and talking about it because it all makes sense to me uh, from how you guys are explaining it. What was the first problem you guys set out to to solve at Agrify? Because obviously it turned into a comprehensive solution, but I know it probably didn't start that way. You couldn't start out saying, hey, we're going to solve all of these problems at the same time. So I'm just curious as to how you started out and started layering all these different uh, solutions um, for, you know, higher volume uh, growers. My really kind of um, exposure to this industry was um, 2018, you know, MJ Biz. That was, you know, the first time that um, basically I ever attended <laughs> any uh, industry event. And it was also the first time that I actually visited, you know, um, one of these grow facilities. When I was there, when I you know walked the floor, I didn't know anybody in the industry back then, by the way. And uh, when I walked the floor, you know what I noticed was, you know, there were probably about I don't know, I'll call it forty, fifty different light vendors, <laughs> um, and then you know probably five, ten, fifteen different you know people selling grow rags, and then you know you got people that maybe sell dehumidifier and and nothing else. Um, so in any case, what I saw was, you know, essentially people selling what I call the piecemeal solutions. And when I talked to the growers, um, one of their biggest sort of frustration has been that, you know, all these different components, um, you know, don't really work well together, engineering work and everything that they have to kind of put together and. Um, it's just complicated. So, um, so basically, um, you know, the first, first problem I was trying to solve was to say, okay, you know what? You know, can we sell integrated solution versus a piecemeal component based solution? Um, and so that was sort of the first prompt, right? And then afterward, um, you know, the more I speak to the growers, then I realized that you know, consistency and, and the inability to produce good quality cannabis um, were the other two big problems. In the old days, 
you know, ROI was probably less of a concern because people were, you know, making good monies. But, you know, even, even back in 2018, 2019, you know, there were people saying that, Hey, you know, actually making money in this industry is actually not easy. So it kind of caught my attention that, Hey, look, it's not just producing good quality cannabis consistently, but being able to do so profitably, you know, on the ROI side, you know, would be just as important. So that's, that's, that's kind of how the evolution came about was first to say, you know, let's make things easier uh, with an integrated solution. And then, okay, with the, this integrated solution, then we basically push on to kind of quality consistency and ROI. Got it. And did you ever, when you're thinking about how you're going to solve problems in the cannabis industry, was it from the very beginning you said we're going to do non-plant touching so we can obviously go public, which we can get into, but was there like, was there ever the consideration of like, we should grow ourselves or do plant touching things? Or was it always like, hey, we're going to be ancillary and we're going to support the growers and get them everything they need in order to grow? I'm just curious as to if that was even a consideration at any point. Yeah, I was never interested in on the growing side. You know, I think if I kind of look at, again, the, 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 the personal sort of business journey, I've always kind of be, like to be kind of the, um, picking the shovels, um, for like a platform, right? For, to help other people. Um, so very similarly, you know, when, you know, when I got into the cannabis space, it was exactly that, you know, I, I did not want to be a, a, a a grower or, you know, have multiple of these grow facilities. Um, but instead I wanted to basically, um, ideally, right. Provide every single piece of equipment, um, inside of any cultivation or, you know, product manufacturing facility. Got it. And then, uh, you talked about the four acquisitions. Uh, what significance has the acquisitions had on the business strategy and the technology and, what will it have moving forward? I mean, I, I know you wouldn't have done that if you didn't, if there wasn't, but just curious as to what areas it's really adding, a, helping you uh, add kind of a punched solution. Yeah. So, um, you know, basically what we very quickly realize is that consumers are getting more sophisticated and there are different form factors that people, you know, um, like to have um, when it comes to um, consumption of, you know, and people like to have options, right? And if you kind of look at, you know, going to any dispensaries and what you realize is that um, you need to be, you need to have multi-form factors um, to adjust the market sort of uh, trends. Um, and so basically that's kind of why we got into the extra on, on the extraction side because, you know, anything that's basically besides... I mean, there's people are getting more creative as to how they consume um, in different shape and form, and extraction seems to kind of be the um, piece of the puzzle that is required to push out that alternative uh, consumption uh, form factors. So we decided to get into that space uh, because we know that it's going to continue just to gain market share. Um, and when the more we study, we realize that, hey, look, you know, extraction, um, it's just a universal kind of language, but there's just so many different, again, methods. Um, so we kind of said, all right, um, we're going to basically go after the number one player in each of these additional subcategories and basically create a company that 
owns all these different technologies, um, but we only wanted to deal with the best in each of these subcategories, right? So we basically went after precision because they're the number one hydrocarbon um, uh, player. We went after pure pressure, the number one in sovereignness. We went after lab society for distillation and, um, you know, and after um, um, uh, Cascade for, you know, all the other you know, lab equipments, uh, et cetera. Um, so basically that's kind of how we went about it was to look at the, 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 tra- the, the, the trend and then identify a, 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 a growing kind of market and then basically went after the number one players in each of the sub- subcategories. Got it. And, and was timing obviously was good. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't have pushed forward. But uh, from your perspective, I think timing uh, probably has a lot to do with success. And you seem like from the companies you built prior, you're a patient and knowing to do things type of person. Uh, but was timing really great for you for these acquisitions? I think so. Um, basically, like on one go, uh, we actually acquired these four companies sort of over time. And, um, you know, in the spend of what, maybe nine months or so, nine to 12 months. And, you know, right now, um, it's all about, you know, integration, which is honestly not easy. <laughs> um, 95% of all kind of M&As actually fail, right? And try to take on, you know, four integrations at the same time. It's certainly a challenge. And we learned a lot, um, because I think, you know, cannabis, it's probably even more unique. You got a lot of these, you know, um, different companies have different culture and, you know, cannabis is also like, you know, it's, it's got its own, you know, uh, culture on top. So, um, unique features on top. So anyway, we're, we're, we're navigating through this. You know, obviously we've made some mistakes along the way, but I think we're integrating companies well. And, um, and we hope that in 2023, uh, we, we're, I mean, not, not, Obviously, 2023 will hope to be, be even better, but I think now we're starting to see a lot of good synergies coming out of our cultivation extraction site. Um, so, for example, like we're winning deals, um, these actually bigger, large deals, um, because we're able now to go to any of our customers and say, look, we can actually provide you a comprehensive total solution that spends across cultivation and extraction site. And that really kind of helps us to land these mega deals um, with larger customers. And so we're very happy about that. Got it. And it's obviously a tough market uh, across the board, particularly in cannabis. Tell us how you're keeping a positive outlook for the industry and particularly with your company, which I think is the most relevant. Certainly hasn't been easy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, and um, you know, the whole industry is down big time and we're certainly not escaped from that. In fact, I would say you know, we're, we're, we're one of the companies that got hit pretty, you know, probably the hardest. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, I kind of tell the team, you know, exactly the same, which is, look, um, we have to do the right thing. Um, and we have to be, you know, willing to pivot if necessary, right? The good news is that, you know, I've been through the dot-com industry. I've been through many of these cycles. Where I can confidently say that, hey, you know, even Amazon, right? Amazon at one point was actually a penny stock. Mm-hmm. Um, and look at where they are now, right? Um, the companies who actually do the right things, 
continue to persevere and make the right strategic move are going to emerge out of this stronger than ever. You know, so it's just all about, you know, I have no doubt that our technologies are excellent and we can deliver on what we promise. But now it's all about execution. And we just need to really just kind of continue to focus on that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it looks like you're building a great team. Uh, talk about uh, the the your business model. Obviously, you sell hardware. And I, you know what I really am interested in when I read your about your company versus others is you know the solution as a whole and the technology you guys are you have, but the SaaS model from a financial modeling standpoint. Talk about how important that is going to be, you know, long term to to your you know kind of business strategy. You know, I don't want to basically have to go out and chase customers every day um, because it's very uncertain. And it's kind of like, you know, you get one customer and then you might be able to meet it this quarter, but next quarter, um, you, you back to square one. Right. So, um, when we, um, built our, you know, business model, I want it to be so that basically you can continue to grow in step fashion. You know, our business model is very simple. It's all about, not only the hard, upfront hardware sales, but also the recurring revenue that comes with it, right? But obviously, in order for us to um, really kind of get that recurring revenue and get people to be willing to pay for it, you got to be able to deliver values, right? And that's really kind of where I think our software comes into play because, you know, the software is what it's essentially, it's a dashboard, it's an ERP system, it's everything you need to basically help you to understand everything that's going on inside of that facility. So for example, you know, a grower can basically say, I want to grow purple punch today and you will have a already optimized grow recipe and there's a push of a button and everything, the system just kind of takes it over. Um, but at the same time, if there's anything wrong with the system, let's assume that for example, if you have a clog in your you know, drainage or your valve, you're going to get alerted, right? And it allows you to basically take actions immediately. Or, so for example, um, if the plants need trimming, um, it would actually basically, depending on who's working that day, um, identified, you know, an individual that has proven to be most effective, productive, you know, an expert on trimming. And has assigned such a task to that particular individual and continue to monitor how he or she performs the tasks. Um, so that's, you know, basically it's, it's got a motion, you know, um, uh, what do you call the study on it so that we can continue to optimize and continue to measure. Right. Um, and it also has, for example, a dashboard to show you that, Hey, look, you know, this particular batch of production comes in, you know, within two degree variation or 0.2 degree variation from the batch before. And, you know, here are the, some of the changes, like for example, maybe you went, you know, five degree higher on light penetration, light, you know, intensity on one particular day. And maybe that's what drove the, uh, the, the variation, right? So it's got all that information um, at your fingertip, at your disposal. And it shares, for example, with the, the top managers, um, a completely different dashboard that shows them the expected yield, the expected revenue, 
um, you know, and and also kind of like you know what you should be planning for in the upcoming uh, the next harvest, right? So in any case, by delivering that type of information and transparency, it, it helps our customers to be able to manage their business better, and that's you know you create that stickiness and. That's the reason for paying for the use of the software. Absolutely. And, and talk about just for the listeners that are listening, you know, I, I've read enough. So I, I kind of get an idea, the scale that this is the right solution for. But talk about, describe who your solution best serves from a, you know, from a size standpoint. Yeah. So, well, we got, we have multiple solutions, right? So on the extraction side, I would say we serve everybody got it. Um, because we have, you know, Equipments that could actually serve even just small individual cultivators and all the way to the largest, you know, sort of MSL. So on the extraction side, like, you know, based on the information, our CRM system, um, I think we've probably done business with called it 90% plus of all licensed operators out there. So we have a very, very deep and wide coverage on the extraction side, right? And on the cultivation side, um, you know, we, you know, this far, you know, we have a couple of MSOs on a small trial basis. Um, but primarily, primarily most of our customers are single states, you know, sort of craft growers. Um, so, you know, so the, again, depending on, you know, the usage purpose, you know, it's, it's, it's for different segments of the market. Um, and very recently, we we just launched uh, what we call a rapid deployment program, and this is a very unique offering whereby, you know, in the old days, you know, by the time you know you get all the permitting, you know, identify the building and you know all the construction work that's going to be required to to kind of you know get a facility up and running, you probably like you know twenty thirty million dollars in on on the on the, on the uh, you know all the spending plus you know you probably. Um, 15, 18 months um, from day one, right? Because it just takes that long to, and that, you know, that, that much investment to build a facility these days. Now, our rapid deployment program, you know, basically addresses that, 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 that issue. It's essentially our solution show up, shows up in a 18 wheel trailer and Basically, it gets you going um, in as, less, as little as 30, 60 days. You don't need to condition the room because all the VFUs could actually work in any type of environment. Everything is pre-configured, so it's literally a plug-and-play. So you only need to bring electricity and water um, for irrigation um, purpose, and everything is ready to go. I believe that solution uh, would have very, very large universal appeal. It could basically be attractive to, for example, people who want to hunt, for example, some of these minor cannabinoids, people who want to, um, you know, basically just get something going. You know, a, a lot of people, they probably already have the license and maybe only raise three to five million dollars, but they want to actually get, you know, start cash flowing. You know, this will be perfect for them. Um, you know, for some of these larger MSOs that basically want to use our system to kind of help standardize, you know, and to, to basically build their SOPs and also to, to kind of figure out the, you know, the optimal, um, you know, grow recipe, um, you know, this would be a perfect solution for them. So 
again, I think the, the, the rapid deployment program that we developed, you know, will have very, very large and wide universal appeal. And, and we're very excited about that. Yeah, I'm excited hearing about it. I can't tell you, you know, we were pretty early. We, I wouldn't say it on accident. It was an accident, but I'm in YPO. We were working with, uh, some companies in Vegas. Uh, one of the, one of the companies there needed a president for one of their, for a cannabis company. So we got in at like 2015. We started in the cannabis industry from a leadership search standpoint. So I would get calls from, you know, since then where somebody would have a license and they'd have no idea how to grow. And they would ask if I could hire them to head up their growing operation, starting with designing the facility. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you're looking for like a business partner. Like I can't find you a, you know, a, a six figure, uh, you know, person in charge of growing at this point, like you need like a business partner or somebody that understands the strategy of growing. So under, you know, so me hearing that's like music to my ears because a lot of those folks kind of a wake up call, like just because you have licenses is like step one. You've got about 20 more steps to go to make sure that you, you know, design the facility right and, you know, everything goes as it should. And then obviously bring in the consistency and the quality that you're talking about. And speaking of, I've heard I heard you talk about this before, and I think it's worth uh, our audience hearing. But talk about how the industry, and you know, at the dispensary when you're you're buying uh, products, how you know you you, you get repeat uh, clients, but it's really hard to get you know three repeat beyond because the consistent quality just isn't there. And I think you're absolutely right. I've visited enough dispensaries, both professionally because of all the clients we have in the industry. But also personally, that it all comes down to like whatever the bud tender tells you is good at that time. And I think that's the result of people not being able to or companies not being able to produce really consistent where you know exactly what strand from what company you want every time. But talk about how that's a problem and talk about you know how you guys are addressing it through you know the stuff that you're talking about, data, science, and uh, the, the quality uh, and consistency. Yeah. Um, so... You know, basically, my uh, chief science officer, David Kessler, he was invited to a, uh, a conference up in Michigan. And one of the questions that was, you know, basically poised was, you know, why is it that, um, you know, a lot of the dispensaries, they get, you know, obviously um, new customers and then, you know, repeat customers. But, you know, very rarely, if you actually look at, um, and this, I, I would say this is probably across the board. Um, you rarely, really see like three P or four P's, um, you know, basically customers that, you know, buy the same thing. And, you know, I think the universal sort of conclusion from everybody was that, look, you know, um, because consumers expect, you know, consistency, um, just like, you know, they, they would see cannabis, just like any other CPG products. Um, and unfortunately they don't get that. Right. In the wine industry, for example, um, you know, that's why people have to help people build their brands because it stands for kind of some kind of standard or taste or aroma. And, and you can expect, you know, to have, you know, obviously, like, for example, wine, you might have a little bit of variation from year to year. Um, but, you know, like, uh, you know, Opus One stands for Opus One. Right. And, um, and, you know, Kendall Jackson stands for, for, for Kendall Jackson. Like, you're not going to get, you're not going to see that big of a variation. But in a cannabis space, unfortunately, like, you could have as much as 15% plus swing in cannabinoids. And, 
you know, five to seven percent swing in terpene uh, from batches to batches of productions, right? And so that's a big problem. And so our solution is really aimed to help our customers to minimize that variation by taking out the human factor and, you know, really kind of to help build those repeat purchases. Yeah. 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 No, that it makes a, t- a ton of sense. Uh, kind of from a 30,000 foot view, what do you, what do you think are the biggest challenges with the cannabis industry as a whole? I know the part that you're serving and, and, uh, you know, it, it your product sounds amazing and I, it, it sounds like a, a good fit for many different types of companies. Uh, but what do you think are some of the bigger challenges uh, that you see in the industry as a whole? I, I think there's several, right? I mean, obviously, unfriendly regulatory environments is definitely one. Like, we can't even get safe banking passes, which is just completely ridiculous. But, you know, you can always kind of blame it on just, you know, regulation. But I think it goes beyond that. Um, we definitely have to take care of the regulatory funds, right? And And also, like, you know, we got to get rid of these illicit um, growers and people who actually don't respect the uh, the rules of the law and, you know, basically don't have to pay taxes, which is, you know, put all the license and, you know, people who follow, um, uh, you know, basically uh, respect the rule, rules of the law at a huge disadvantage, right? So we got to obviously change that. So, you know, California, for example, is a, it's a big problem there. Um but I think basically, you know, it's also going to take some education, right? It's, um, this is this industry. I, I, you know, I always say this is still kind of just the first in. Um, if there's one MSO that actually could come out and basically just, you know, kind of put a stamp behind every single one of their products and show that they can, you know, deliver that very high level of quality and consistency, um, you know, it's going to win. Um, and that's really where I believe the industry is trending towards. Um, and, you know, I think we have the right solutions for it. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we can kind of demonstrate that, you know, over time. Absolutely. And so for you guys, when you think of deregulation uh, in the industry, like let's start with Safe Banking Act, which I think would help you, but how fast would you, if you could pick, like as a leader of your organization saying, hey, this would be the best for AgriFi and our shareholders, how fast would you pick things to deregulate? And I know it's probably, you know, it's, it's been so slow, I can't imagine all of a sudden it's going to happen. But I'm just curious as to, from your business model, because I, I, it sounds like you probably want to get more products embedded places before things start to deregulate and then start to, you know, big, the bigger guys start to buy everybody out. So give me an idea of the pace that would be most ideal for you guys for deregulation? Yeah. Um, I am not counting on, you know, anything. Maybe we get safe banking going first. I don't expect a complete sort of federal deregulation for a while. And the reason for that is I don't think this is so much of a, which side of the aisle you're, you're on, uh, Democrats versus Republicans. And, you know, I think this is probably more of a generational issue. Um, meaning that I think the younger generation probably will be more open, right? So even if you could have a, you know, kind of a blue, you know, Democrats, you know, the leadership, um, depending on <laughs> which generation they're in, um, 
you know, I, I don't know. I don't think they're going to go too fast, which you know, it's it's, it's you know, obviously explicitly shown here, right? Where you know, you have Biden and Pelosi, and I don't think those guys are going to uh, move in that direction anytime soon. Um, so I, I think it's more of a um, obviously, you know, I'm sure blue and, and red do come into play, but I think on top of that, I think it's all more, even more kind of a generational issue um, because I think some of the old, you know, the older generation, unless they have exceeded additional benefits, um, you know, there's still kind of a negative stigma towards, um, you know, um, cannabis in general. Um, and we are not betting on, so, that, so as a result, we're not betting on that, like, to happen anytime soon. Um, you know, we're going to continue to bet. I mean, there's enough you know, sort of licensed uh, states that we can go after, right? I mean, there's basically 30 plus, you know, uh, states are available for medicinal use and, you know, uh, 10 plus for uh, recreational. So there are plenty of opportunities already. But um, I think what's also, you know, very interesting is um, um, outside of uh, North America, we're seeing growth, huge growth opportunities um, in Europe, in you know, Africa, in South America, in Asia. Um, you know, I think that, for example, like in Europe, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Germany actually, you know, deregulates before the U.S. Portugal is already there. You know, we got Greece. We got many of the European countries coming online. We got, you know, we this morning, you know, we announced that we got deals coming out of South Africa. And, um, you know, we already got, Deals coming out of Australia, New Zealand. Um, so I think internationally, it's, it's it may actually even go even faster. Yeah, that that sounds like an op- huge opportunity for you guys, uh, the international market, and obviously you understand the international market probably better than most, uh, just given your background. So that's uh, that's interesting. And then how does um, you know? Obviously, you guys took Agrify public in two thousand twenty-one. I think the beginning of two thousand twenty-one, if I'm if I remember right. What were the drivers in going public? What are the advantages and disadvantages? And obviously, you know, at a time like this, I'm sure it feels like there's, you know, there's a little bit of both. But talk about the both the advantages and disadvantages of being a publicly traded company. Yeah, we came out, you know, as one of the probably a hot flying stock, and um, as a result, you know, attracted a lot of the, you know, short people's attention and etc. And you know, being a public listed company, you know, if you Missed a quarter, if you whatever, then you know immediately you get punished, you know, pretty big, very tough, right? And um, so it's, you know, it's just like for example, like you know, we came out and I thought that you know because we had a pretty decent sized balance sheet, so I thought, okay, you know what, maybe one of the better ways to kind of build this business is to somehow, um, even though we're non-plant touching, but can we find a way to um, tap into some of the Know, economic benefits on the cultivation side, and that's where we came up with this TTK model, whereby we, you know, finance the project and we're in it for ten years, and we get recurring revenues, right? Very attractive, you know, production and SaaS recurring revenues, and um, and that was a very sort of clever way of getting the company to um, be able to enjoy the upside of you know cultivation facilities without being plant touching. And consequently, you know, we got rewarded very nicely uh, in the beginning because people thought that was a very clever way um, to do so. But, to, you know, it is also 
unfortunately very capital intensive and people don't like the fact that we have to keep going out and raise money. It's dilutive. So we were encouraged to basically go out and get leverage and get you know, debt, et cetera. And, um, but you know, because of COVID, because of all the construction delays and et cetera, some of our projects do not really kind of come online, um, you know, under the expected sort of time frame, And, you know, we got punished big time as a result. Right. Um, so, and, and now, you know, in this kind of a, an environment, you know, 12 months ago, we were, you know, rewarded for basically going big and doing all these capital investments in return for kind of like a, a big investment, you know, obviously bigger returns. But now all of a sudden, you know, 12 months later, because of change of, you know, macro environments, people no longer have that appetite and um, they want to see immediate, um, you know, cash flow and they wanted to, you know, they want us to scale way back on, you know, on these investments and et cetera. So again, like we have to like do all these adjustments just based on market dynamic. And it's not, it's obviously easier if it were a private company versus a public company, but you know, no matter what we're navigating through it. Um, so fortunately, I think, you know, we have great technologies that allows us that flexibility to pivot. Um, so I think we have done so. So instead of doing these large investments on the TTK sites, we're shifting gear to these rapid deployments, smaller deployments where we actually do collect, you know, basically cash up front, um, but still maintain recurring revenues through SaaS and, you know, maybe a smaller production fees. So again, we're navigating through all these things and, you know, hopefully, um, you know, the market will see what we're doing and, uh, the pivot is, it's working and, and, and we'll get, uh, rewarded. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm cheering you guys on. I think your stock at where it's at now is a great buy. I know you don't have to get into those details, but, uh, you know, switching gears a little bit, just kind of looking at your profile, I can kind of see how old you are. You're just a couple years older than me. What do you do? Like, you know, clearly you've been an effective leader for a long time. What do you do outside of work, like personal habits, daily rituals and routines to help you continue to perform as a leader uh, like you you do, you know, and you have been for many years? Um, now I, I try to live, and this is actually through more personal learning. Um, now I try to live a more balanced life. Um, I think in the early journey of my uh, career, um, I was just work, 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 work. Um, and as a result, sacrifice a lot. You know, I, for example, like my uh, eldest son, Basically, when he was going off to college and, you know, we had a, I mean, he threw a surprise party on my birth, on my, you know, birthday. And what he actually shared with me really kind of hit me pretty hard because he said, look, dad, you know, really appreciate everything you've done for the family, provided for the family and et cetera. But if there was one thing I wish, I wish we got to spend more time together. And I was just like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that was a big wake up call. So now, you know, fortunately I have two younger children. So, you know, I tried to, at a minimum, right? I'm still very busy, but at a minimum, I try to go to as many ball games as possible, try to be with them and, and not, you know, want to be an absentee, you know, uh, father, right? So family is actually one sort of big thing for me. And, and the other thing is that, you know, I, 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 I also believe in, you know, kind of giving back. Um, so I try to give back in, in several forms and, you know, get involved in a lot of the, you know, charity, charitable organizations and, you know, et cetera. And, and then the other thing I mentioned earlier, you know, education has been my continuous passion. So 
I used to teach. I don't teach anymore, but I used to teach. And, but now I'm still involved with a, actually a very interesting uh, school up here in Massachusetts. It's called the New England uh, Innovation Academy. And, and I'm, you know, involved as a board member. And, and, um, yeah. So in any case, I do some of the other stuff outside of work just to kind of keep me busy and hopefully, you know, continue to learn and, you know, enrich myself. Awesome. Yeah. And I think we're all, I've got older kids and a four year old and, I don't know if I got to spend enough time with my 17 year old either. So I hear you and, uh, I can, uh, I can relate. Um, and it sounds like, you know, serving on that board is probably getting back to your roots of, you know, education where you kind of saw your mom, uh, make a positive impact. So I think that there's a lot going on there. Uh, well, you've been, we're, we're kind of getting close to time here, and I promised you that I wouldn't bring you over. I've got so much more. I could talk to you forever. I think you, what you guys are doing is super interesting. I think that your approach is, makes a ton of sense to me, and I've seen quite a bit. So I'm definitely cheering you on. Uh, how do our listeners get more information about Agrify? Obviously, you can go to your website. Is there any, do you use social and anything like that where they could follow you? Or Yeah, we're, we're, we're um, you know, obviously... You know, I, I, our company has, you know, obviously social presences, you know, um, on all the platforms and personally, you know, um, I do have a LinkedIn profile that people can reach me or, you know, you can always uh, contact me through, you know, um, our IR or, you know, information site. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, really, really appreciate the opportunity just to have this conversation and, and you got some really <laughs> wonderful questions <laughs> and uh and really enjoy the conversation. Yeah, me too. Me too. I had like twice as many more, but I try to stay within the guardrails of the t- our time constraints. But I look forward to maybe connecting with you again. Maybe we can dive a little bit further. I'm kind of a geek when it comes to this, so I would have wanted to talk a little bit more about the technology. But I think we it was an awesome conversation. Really appreciate your time and uh you have been uh, listening to the Built on Purpose podcast with Max Hansen, brought to you by Scouts. You can find all of our past and future podcasts at Wisecouts.com. Again, Raymond, thanks a lot for your time. We wish you the best of luck. We'll keep an eye on you and we'll keep in touch. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Built on Purpose podcast, where on each episode, we interview exceptional leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, philosophers, some straight up interesting people to explore their outlook on life, work, and leadership. You can hear any of our previous shows 24-7 wherever you get your podcasts.